Welcome to The Light Pod, brought to you by LightEye, a hub for ideas, education, and a little bit of entertainment when it comes to architectural lighting. I'm your host, Sam Corbel, and today I'm sitting in the Windy City, Chicago, at Schuler Shook's office with one of their partners, Julio Padota. Julio, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Thank you. Thank you. What a pleasure. It's so nice to be here, sitting in your office. The desks are empty. We're the only two people here. It's a breezy night. You know, I remember being here just over a year ago, pre-pandemic, working with you and Jim to produce that fun little documentary, LD2020, Yes. about what it means to be a lighting designer. I'm not going to lie, it seems like a lifetime ago. A lot has happened between now and then. Yeah. How are things going for you guys today? We're doing good. You know, we have sort of thrive within what you can do with a pandemic that has killed over 3 million people, you know, but we handle it well. You know, I think internally our leadership got organized. We took some measures in place and we were able to work from home for 15 uh, or so months now. And, you know, economically we're doing well. We didn't have to let go of anybody. That's awesome. Uh, and we retain our most valuable asset, our personnel. And we're looking forward to getting out of this pandemic and continue to thrive. You know, it's really great to hear that your team is still assembled. I know it's been a while since you've all been able to sit in this big room. I've got to imagine that won't quite be the same moving forward, given all the life lessons you guys have learned. But teamwork is, is so much so something that goes into design and collaborating and mentorship and managing all that. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that today. But before we dive into it, do me a favor. Tell the world, who is Julio and how did you get your start in lighting? Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. I'm a Venezuelan who was born in Latin America. I always dreamed to be in the United States for some reason. It was a, a sort of a intuitively inside of me, you know. I studied high school in Canada. Then from there, went back to Venezuela. And I knew, a, to make a long story short, I knew somebody who worked in the uh, National Theater of Venezuela, the Teatro Teresa Carreño. And he, he had proposed a job as an assistant lighting designer in the theater. And uh, I had never been in a theater in my life. I was the kind of person that did sports more than anything. He brought me into a rehearsal of Romeo and Juliet and it was taking place with the work lights on. And I'm looking at the stage, at the balcony scene, and just a lot of work light and no costumes and nothing. So it's just like a carpet bomb, blanket of light. Yeah. Not a lot in the space. Yeah. People are reading their lines. It's, There's, am I going to say it? No drama. <laughs> no space. drama. And, and uh, this was uh, more, uh, it was a ballet. And he said to me, come tonight and see the performance. And I was a little bit late because of traffic. And... When I sneaked into the theater and I saw the transformation of the stage, I was so inspired. My eyes had never seen anything like it. You know, costumes, the scenery, the depth of the field. I couldn't see the background and it was so deceiving and it created a whole scenery that I thought this is the most beautiful thing I've seen. And so after the show, I told them I really want this job. And so from there, I got hooked and I said, I think this is what I want to do. And that's it. The rest is history. The rest is history. Today, you're a partner at Schuler Shook. You've had 35 years of experience in the lighting industry between theatrical and architectural. I know here you guys get to do a little bit of both. We caught up, like I said, last year, and you said something that I 
I want to go back and reflect on a little bit more, which is when you look at architectural lighting design, you spend 10% of the time coming up with the idea. The rest of it, the other 90% is making it happen. I want to dive into that with you. Talk to me a little bit and explain in Julio's terms, you know, how does that 90% come to life and what's involved in it? Coming up with ideas is difficult. We live in today's world in a, a very sort of sophisticated architectural world and in a lot of sophisticated lighting technology. We can do anything we want with today's, you know, lighting technology. When it comes down to what architects can do with a space and with a building, it's also the possibilities are endless. And so that poses a challenge for us in terms of how do we approach this design. There's many avenues that we can take. Obviously, you know, function has got to be one of the variables that we have to satisfy, right? Because a space or a building that is not functional is not good for anybody. Talking to the client and listening is kind of like the first step that we take. We take it all in. Just listen, look for the cues that inform your design, that inform the aesthetics perhaps and the function, and then dive into the idea that you and the client are gonna put together you know, to embark on this journey. Once you define that idea with the client, and they, you go and research it and find the fixtures and do the renderings and the sketches and put it all together and, and you sell it to them, then that's the magical moment when they say, yes, we like it, this is it, you know, and, and so you can run with it. It's a very involved process, especially, you know, if you're dealing with one space is a little bit more simple than if you're dealing with an entire tower or a complex. And if you think about that magical moment and putting all that stuff together, you need a team to do that. You can't do that on your own. Break down what that team looks like, both kind of inside lighting and across the entire design process, all the way up to our favorite person, the owner who's writing the tracks. In our office, we have a lighting specialist, we have lighting designers, we have a project lighting designer, we have senior designers, principals, and partners. And you know, everybody has different levels of experience. They also have different skills. Some people are more technical, some people are more visual, some people are really good articulating ideas. So we try to uh, hold these, what we call these design studios, where a project leader for a specific project will present a project and, and you know everybody who can attend the meeting uh, joins in, whether you're working on the project or not. And you start collaborating on how can we resolve this design solution. You know, uh, we have a high ceiling, we have a clear story. We start to analyze the sort of spatial information and the materials and the function of the space and the challenge that that presents to the lighting designer. So everybody jumps in and gives their idea. You know, no idea is superior or inferior. You know, it's just there are ideas that when we all look at each other in the room, we know which ones are starting to be in alignment with the owner's program or uh, budget or, you know, the ones that really are in alignment with the architectural design. And so from there, intuitively, we start feeling, okay, this is the right idea. This is the right direction. And, and so the senior lighting designer who's typically 
really the project leader and the principal or partner who are the person in charge of the project, overseeing the project, uh, can agree on, okay, this is a good idea. And, and that's what we take back to the client. You keep saying, you know, it's intuitive and we get it, we get it, we get it, we get it, we get it. It's a group decision. There's a lot of intuition that creates an opportunity for these design studios to curate something incredibly unique because there's so many minds working together. But in order to make that happen, you've got to be able to manage that situation. You've got to be able to really create that situation, right? You've got to build the team and you've got to foster that collaboration. When you talk about creating that whole system in that place, what does it mean to you to have to kind of set out and embark to manifest that opportunity. It's a bit of a like a democracy, right? Everybody kind of throws their ideas and, yeah. and you have to manage them. I think that more and more as the problems have become more complex to solve, okay, we think less in hierarchical terms. And that's kind of important because we have had people who have the least experience come up with a very sort of intuitive experience that is in their sort of gut feeling that this is going to uh, work for this particular project. And, you know, having somebody who either knows less or comes from a completely different school, they can provide you ideas that you would never think about. So there's a little bit of magic in the sense of just different creative minds coming together. How do you take all that and create that constructive opportunity out of it when it comes to sort of mentoring the team that works underneath you as a partner in a lighting design firm? We spend a lot of time in the trenches with our people and we teach them how to see. You know, there's one question that I typically ask, what do you want to see? I borrow that from Howard Preston. Yeah. And I add to it, adding to Howard's statement, what do you want to see and why? And think of it philosophically. Why do you, you know, because otherwise we end up, if we think just on the functional aspect, we all end up with the same type of solutions. But if we go deeper into a more sort of philosophical approach, what do you want to see and why? Okay. Then if you answer those questions, you start to come up with unique solutions. And that's, that's how kind of, you know, we spend a lot of time teaching our people these little tricks. You're taking the words right out of my mouth here, but it's an incremental process. You can't do everything at once. You don't read the Odyssey or the Iliad if we want to go back in time in a day, right? Uh, you don't read the Lighting Handbook in a day. Uh, you certainly don't build a building in a day or do a design in a day. So much of life is learning and it's an incremental measure. When you look at teamwork design and collaboration specifically in lighting how long does that incremental process take and does it ever end i don't think it does i mean it's a constant learning i think if you're in the trenches learning being exposed listening to the senior people who have been through the path of designing and have made mistakes they can typically guide you through all the red flags it's a journey it's a journey and if you're doing mock-ups if you're doing renderings, if you're going out and seeing, I mean, I, I walk down the street looking up all the time because I'm, I'm a partner at the firm, but I'm still learning from everybody else. So it's a lifestyle. I don't think you ever stop learning. So 
I think the young people have to do the same thing. And if they're willing to do it and they have the passion, they will pick it up pretty fast. You know, you said something interesting. You're a partner at the firm, yet you're always walking around looking up, right? You never stop learning either. Yeah. There's two generic terms here that I'm going to throw out, but I think can be associated, right? There's the term being senior, and then there's the term youth. But senior may equate to just more experience in a certain space, not necessarily age or time. And youth may not explicitly express the young age of someone, rather an idea or opportunity in an industry. I want to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more and explore that youth of the industry, both the people that are entering into it, the opportunities that are entering into our industry, and also where we all go next, whether we're 20, 30 or 50 years old. Sound good? Sound good. Hey, it's Sam. Real quick, The Light Pod is brought to you by LightEye, a hub for ideas, education, and a little bit of entertainment when it comes to lighting. Check them out at lytei.com. They bring you things like this podcast and short, fun, engaging, informative two, three, or four minute videos. It's a great place to learn and it's a great place to be inspired by all things lighting. And welcome back. Over the break, Julie and I were chatting just a little bit more about that dynamic of the industry, the youth of the industry, and how there really is so much opportunity out there right now, both for people to come into our industry, to find a place, a career, and, you know, traditional ways, maybe even new ways. But as an entity, as a thing, as a part of life, light has evolved so much in really the last 10 years with technology and innovation. Julia, talk to us just a little bit more. Where are we headed and what does the youth of lighting look like? You know, where we're headed, I think, is fascinating. And we can see examples. If you just look at the autonomous car with all its artificial intelligence and all these mathematical equations in algorithms to make human decisions, just tells you a little bit where we're going with technology, right? In the case of the car, the human decision is driving, right? And going at a certain speed and avoiding, you know, hitting the other car. If you take that thought and you look at lighting fixtures, I mean, we're going to get to a point that the lighting fixtures are going to be really intelligent. And that's just sort of an example of where technology is with the cars and where it could be with the lighting fixtures. We're not completely there. And I'm going to stop you right there and make a bold prediction. That's going to happen way faster than anybody thinks it is because, you know, we all remember when Tesla came out about six years ago and said this was going to happen. The technology's there today. The government hasn't approved it. Every fourth car I see in Colorado is a Tesla. Every second car you see in California is a Tesla. Technology is accelerating at a rapid pace. And if it took six years to do it with a car, I've got to imagine lighting's a little bit easier than automobiles and government regulations. So we're full steam ahead towards something like that. I think we're going to get there faster than Tesla did. One, because it's needed. You know, we can get a really smart fixture to make decisions for us, to match color temperature, to adjust uh, spectral power distribution, to react to occupancy and so forth, but do it all by itself. It's almost like you get rid of Siri and Alexa and let the fixture be the smart thing. So that is in terms of technology. Architecture in itself is booming. It's so sophisticated these days. You know, just look at sort of parametric architecture. And it is 
so beautiful and so sophisticated that, I mean, anybody coming into the industry right now, they're going to find architects that are producing wonderful work. They're going to find technology that we basically can do anything we want right now. We want large luminous ceilings. You can do that. You want curvilinear, you know, LED fixtures that go miles and miles. We can do that. So the creativity. You want to bury lights under the Chicago River? We can we do, can that. do that. <laughs> and we did that. Yeah, I know you did. <laughs> you know? So the other aspect of it is sort of biological aspect of the human and the physiological aspect that we're learning more about it and how daylight affects human behavior in our circadian rhythms and so forth. Anybody walking into this industry, I mean, can take several avenues in terms of what do you want to illuminate? You know, you want to be more in the sort of hospitality, you know, lighting design. Do you want to be more uh, in the sort of healthcare, senior living, more in the engineering side? There's a lot of fields that will require the expertise and the energy and the passion from the young generation. And I'm really looking forward to, as we get out of the pandemic, to the industry to resume to that level of energy and creativity and innovation that we were facing prior to the pandemic. I mean, I remember seeing it. I remember it was all over, whether it was uh, the magazines, the ad, the projects that we got at Shura Shook that require a higher level of, you know, technological solutions. And I think all of that is going to come back and for anybody graduating today, it's really, really exciting. You mentioned the youth, right? You mentioned the need for a long-standing firm like Shorla Shook with people like yourself with, you know, three plus decades of experience needing to hire for more technical competency. Talk to me a little bit about that. I feel like our industry has a really big focus on the youth population, the young kids, you know, the next generation, whether it's in manufacturing, whether or not it's in sales, whether or not it's in design or part of this industry that maybe doesn't even exist today. What's coming up? What do you see rising kind of uh, maybe, should I say, from the magma field? I feel like the volcano is about to explode with all this mm-hmm. new opportunity. I think like in terms of setting up networks, understanding computers, you know, wireless communication, understanding all those concepts. I mean, my kids are from uh, Generation Z. I see my kids like programming on the computer, you know, codes that I don't understand what he's doing, but it tells me it's a sign that we have moved into a more digital world and we all gonna have to learn it and adopt the technology. You know, I remember where people were adamant of specifying LEDs and I kept looking at it and I saying, this is the way we're going and this train is moving in only one direction and I am adopting the technology. We have to help the people developing the technology. It's in its infancy, we have to help them develop it to the next step. And I see that already happening, you know, with the whole digital world. When you look at the youth, when you look at people who are digital curious, maybe digital savvy, and have this unique set of skills, what does it mean as a senior leader, as somebody who has the opportunity to guide a vision and take a company into the future to kind of unpack it and really adapt you know taking a step back and saying we can only do so much and it's time to let the next generation come along and catapult us my philosophy is that what got us here is not going to get us there and we have to rely on the young generation that was born with these 
computers and the social media. I mean, look at you. I'm impressed with the setup that you have here. You know, you have a, a MacBook, a, an iPad, an interface, and on these mics. I mean, for you, this is like, well, this is what I do day in and day out. And I mean, this is my tennis racket. <laughs> I walk around with it in my backpack. <laughs> you know, my kid has got already a setup like this at home. I mean, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> you yeah. So you have to know where your strengths are, where your weaknesses are, and look at the young generation and say, these guys are going to fill in the holes where my weaknesses are. And that's okay. And that's what a team is. That's how we work as a team, because we all have different set skills. You talk about teamwork earlier in the conversation. We talked about that room full of people. And, you know, we're sitting here talking about young kids people probably saying, Sam, you're a young kid. I'm 33. Yeah, in some respects, I'm young, but I'm here to say that I'm not even close to young compared to the youth that's in our industry and what they're capable of today. There's another big part of the team, which is, you know, diversity beyond just age. It's gender, it's race, it's so many different interesting perspectives that there's been an unconscious bias and maybe it hasn't quite made its way into this industry. As you take a step back and you think about how our industry can commit to doing a better job of that. How do we do that, and what will that provide and offer us as a lighting community? At Schuler Shuck, we're taking uh, DEI training because we realize that this is important, that is uh, the future, and some of our clients consider it very important. I think as an industry, we have awakened, and our organizations like the ILD and the IES are starting to take initiatives to be more inclusive, to diversify, and this is just the beginning of it. I think we're moving the needle from doing a a lot of talking to doing more actions and that's valuable it's going to take time but you know we have to reach out to the underprivileged communities and go to their colleges and offer free lectures and try to increase the pipeline of the talent that could be out there that we don't know and they don't even know we exist and try to connect the dots so we can all come together and start including a more diversified uh, workforce you know into our workforce. And when you think about going out and connecting those dots, it creates that opportunity. By creating that opportunity and bringing people into our industry who haven't traditionally shown up into it, where do you see that taking the lighting industry? I think that diversity is definitely going to allow us to expand the markets, you know, connect with clients that we haven't connected before because we didn't know how to, we didn't know they existed. And it's just going to progress the industry inevitably because we are more connected with various groups, more diversified groups. And there's a lot of people that need our services that they don't even know we exist. I think overall, it's just a very positive effort. With an opportunity to provide a career opportunity for more people across more places, effectively lighting becomes something that more people are aware of. And we know, you and I do, and a lot of people listening to this podcast, that the power of light is real. Light can make a difference. And as my good friend Gary Trot said, you know, nobody knows good lighting, but everybody knows bad lighting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, oh, yeah. It's, it's tough. 
as you sit here today and you look forward, what do you hope for our industry? What do you want to see advance in terms of that youth, in terms of technology, in terms of a broader, more collective, collaborative effort to raise awareness about lighting and do what lighting can do? I think we have to reach out to those states. If you go to LA, Chicago, New York, there's a lot of lighting designers already in those areas. There are other states where if you're in Rogers, Arkansas, there are no lighting designers there. And there's not even an awareness of what good lighting is. And so as individuals, as uh, organizations, we have to try to reach out to those communities, whether through a project or whether through the colleges or the AIA organizations that may exist in in, in those uh, states and, and continue to deliver the narrative of good lighting design you know, so that people be- understand that we exist and that we do bring quality work to their work. It's interesting that you said, you know, we can bring quality work to their work. It goes back to that team factor, right? Putting everybody in the room, getting input on things, whether you're an expert, whether you're senior, whether you're junior, whether you're young or old, whether you know how to program or not, there's an opportunity for everybody to make a contribution. And that's really what design and teamwork and collaboration is all about. It's really exciting right now. I mean, when I see teams put together, we used to do these design studios in the offenses. We still do, but there's a shift in the industry to collaborating with the architects, all the tools that they have. They bring these 3D models in Enscape or Revit or SketchUp, and you find yourself in either in a room with them or now virtually collaborating with seven, eight architects, and maybe even a larger group, developing the design together. And that dynamic is fascinating you know because you get the response from the architect right there and then and that's i mean that's the tip of the hat to technology technology has sped things up in some ways it's a blessing in some ways it's a curse i got a chance to record a whole podcast with lars christensen who's a buddy of yours who is over at light az and we talked all about technology you should go listen to that i will i will after <laughs> after this podcast is done and everybody else should julio if Anybody wants to reach out to you, continue this conversation, has more questions for you, just wants to provide a comment, what's the best way they can get in touch with you? You can go to shulerchuk.com and just go to about and you'll find all our contacts there. You'll find Julio's smiling face. You'll see his last name, Julio Pedota. Julio, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. It's great to see you. Thank you for letting me visit your office in Chicago. Stay safe out there. I hope to see you soon. Likewise, thank you so much. You're welcome. We'll talk to you. My pleasure. Hey, it's Sam. Real quick, if you like this episode, do me a favor and go back to that app that you listen to this on. Click that follow, like, or subscribe button. That's the best way to never miss another episode of The Light Pod where we talk all things lighting. We interview principals, partners, lighting designers, CEOs, lighting enthusiasts, entrepreneurs, innovators, and really anybody that wants to talk about light. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.